I suppose, in a way, winning is everything in mixed martial arts. It's how you get paid, how you climb the ranks for better opportunities, also how you probably save yourself a couple of brain cells. And obviously, if you lose a lot, well, you might end up getting kicked out of the promotion, right? But there are those special cases where it seems, no matter what they do, or how many times they lose, they still get big fights, get put on pay-per-views, and are still pretty much loved by the fan base. That's a neat superpower to have, and we're going to look at the best of them today. I'm Bailey in from Mount Point. Quick shout-out to all you Hall of Famers. Thank you very much for supporting the channel, and and these are 10 fighters who could never lose. Also, I'm actually just going to exclude Conor McGregor straight up from this list. He's the biggest combat sports star around. He'll always be able to get massive fights and draw millions in pay-per-view. He gets the star treatment, the Dana White privilege immediately. But he has definitely lost when it comes to his popularity. And in the fans' eyes, all the guys on this list never lost the support of the fans, along with all the other ways that losses didn't affect him. Number 10, Matt Brown. If there was a perfect MMA fighter checklist, Matt Brown ticks nearly all the boxes. Sick tattoos, love for heavy metal, unbelievably scary knockout power. It's no wonder that he's still, after 15 years, an absolute fan favorite and signed the record for the most knockouts in UFC history has obviously helped with that. But Matt's career hasn't always been on the right track. He's been on several losing streaks, but it's not really affected him at all. Back in March 2010, he lost four of five fights. That put his record at 12 and 11 at the time, which is a pretty scary place to be as a UFC athlete. But then he bounced back with a seven-fight win streak where the only person he didn't knock out was Wonderboy Thompson. He was basically a fan favorite after that, but he ended up losing his next five of six fights. But every single one of them was on a pay-per-view event where he was headlining the prelims on the main card or even after four losses, co-main eventing against Cowboy Cerrone. He lost that one too, but then co-main evented the Poirier Pettis card. It just didn't matter. Win or lose, Matt Brown was putting on great fights or knocking people out. The UFC kept giving him good matchups and in the eyes of the fans, he didn't skip a beat. And even now, looking like an old grizzly bear. Number nine, Dan Hooker. Okay, go out there and find me someone who doesn't like Dan Hooker. Aside from his New Zealand accent and cheeky grin, it's almost impossible to not like the guy, even when he's telling people he's going to smash their face in. Dan has also had some truly excellent performances over the years, which has always kept in the back of everyone's minds just how good he can be regardless of what position he's in in his career. The knockout over Gilbert Burns back in 2018? Yeah, that guy's still top five at welterweight. The amount of damage he can absorb as shown in the Barboza and Felder fights, and recently, his ability to weather the storm and still pull out a win against upcoming talents like Jalen Turner. Not only is Dan a lovely bloke, but he's a total maniac who'll throw down with anyone. Even in losses to Poirier, he did nothing but receive more respect and adoration from the fans. Losing to Islam Hachev didn't mean anything because he took it on short notice. And even against Arnold Allen, well, they just threw non-stop punches at each other until someone fell down. When will we not appreciate that? Win or lose, Dan has remained relevant, respected and loved. And despite being four and four since 2020, is still inside the top 10 at lightweight. Number eight, Robbie Lawler. I don't know many people who've had more of an up-and-down career than Robbie Lawler. If you're newer to the sport, you might have been surprised to see after he lost his belt to Woodley that he went on a bit of a win-loss streak, but that's basically been his story for the last 20 years. Even some of his early UFC losses fans could find excuses for. Injuries, going up in weight, and when he got to strike force and started losing there as well, it didn't really matter that he seemed somewhat disinterested because we'd all seen him absolutely annihilate people just only a few years earlier. I mean, the Melvin Manu fight is a perfect example. He's always been one punch away from turning things around and a guy like that will always be exciting and can never be counted out. He got a title shot on Strikeforce after going just two and two because, well, he's bloody Robbie Lawler. 
When he came back to the UFC, built a title run, and then lost to Johnny Hendricks in March, that very well could have been the end of it, but he won two more fights that year, and by December, he was rematching Johnny and won the belt that time. So that first title loss didn't really set him back at all. In the later half of his UFC career, the Ben Askren loss basically meant nothing because, you know, it was kind of a crazy finish and stoppage. I mean, he even told Herb Dean not to worry about it. And he was still absolutely beloved after tough losses to Colby and Magny and got a perfect massive pay-per-view fight in the rematch against Nick Diaz. It just didn't matter what Robbie did. You knew who he was. You knew what he was capable of, and he'd already proven himself 100 times over. Number seven, Cowboy Cerrone. So you want to be a cowboy, baby? Name's Lucius Cowpussy, and I'm a horse-humping outlaw. Well, you better be ready to fight five times a year against anyone and everyone, and if you can't pull head kicks and triangle chokes out of your saddlebags, then you're probably not going to have a very long career. But Donald Cerrone did. He high planes drifted his way through the UFC lightweight and welterweight division for 12 years, and any guy who can get that many performance and finishing bonuses is someone that, no matter who they are up against, pretty much always has a chance to win. And that was a sentiment going back through Cowboy's career. Sometimes he would lose in the big fights and be knocked back down on his way to the title. And he only got one chance to fight for the belt in his entire UFC run. But he remained an absolute fan favorite. Now, you really have to look at the end of Cowboy's career to see how losses affected him. Because, honestly, he didn't lose that much for the most of it. Now, the reason Cowboy's on the list and someone like Tony Ferguson isn't is because when Cowboy started going on free fight losing streaks, he was able to shake it off and turn things around, even change weight classes and continue on his merry way like those free losses never happened at all. He got that massive high-profile McGregor fight on the back of two losses because he was so liked by the fans and he was going to put on a show. Maybe also because they thought Conor could beat him. After losses, you know, Cowboy never kept getting title shots, but he certainly never lost any respect or adoration in the fans' eyes and he was always given big, high-profile fights on big platforms. Number six, Anthony Pettis. When Showtime came on the scene, it felt like he couldn't lose. Aside from a close split decision in his second WEC fight, the guy looked like he had it all. Dangerous dynamic striking, amazing BJJ off his back, and he finished everyone on his way to the WEC title where he beat arguably the best lightweight on the planet, Benson Henderson. Admittedly, his loss to Clay Guida in his UFC debut set him back, and he had to KO Joe Lozon and Donald Cerrone before he got a title shot, but arguably that just introduced him to more UFC fans. After he lost the belt and went on his first losing streak, he dropped to featherweight, won one fight against Charles Oliveira, who he submitted, by the way, and that was all he needed to get an interim shot against Max Holloway. Why? Because, um, I don't know, he was super entertaining, a former champion, he was on a goddamn Wheaties box. Again, we all knew what Pettis could do, just sometimes it didn't happen. He was given tons of support and high-profile fights after that against Dustin Poirier, Tony Ferguson, Nate Diaz, and he lost all of them. But, you know, he also submitted Michael Chiesa, knocked out Wonderboy, and continued to put on great, entertaining fights where he'd throw in some spinning shit just to give everyone an opportunity to chuck their beer around. Just win or lose, Pettis was the definition of showtime, and that's why losses never really seemed to slow him down. Number five, Kevin Holland. I love the statistic that since Kevin Holland joined the UFC, no one has taken more fights than him. In five years, he's had 20 fights, okay? And I double-checked that a few times because that just doesn't seem possible. But yeah, he's been fighting absolutely everyone in two different weight classes. And yeah, that's definitely part of why he's popular, because he stays active. And if there's one thing fans hate, it's their favorite fighter just never fighting. But Kevin has also taken every opportunity that came his way, even if he was outskilled or appeared outmatched. And it's just led to some of his best performances. The Jacare fight where 
Fury KO'd him off his back, not only made him a fan favorite, but woke everyone up to his actual ability as a fighter. And even in losses to Derek Brunson and Marvin Vittori, they were bad performances, but he quickly turned things around by switching weight classes and then just finishing his first two opponents. His loss to Hamzat pretty much meant nothing, as it was super late notice, wasn't his original opponent, was outside of the agreed weight limit, and he pretty much saved the day by taking the fight. His fight with Wonderboy, he refused to wrestle, at least for the first half of it, and it was an amazing fight, so no love lost there really either. And even recently against Jack Della Maddalena, well, it doesn't really shake Kevin from his place in the division. It was a tough fight. Before you know it, Holland will probably be back on another three-fight win streak, and one of the most powerful things about Kevin is he doesn't really seem to care about going for the title and staying perfect in his UFC run. He wants to fight and make money, so when you aren't putting the pressure on yourself that winning is everything, well, it's almost impossible to lose. Number four, Michael Chandler. For a guy that spent the majority of his career outside of the biggest promotion, you have to look at Iron Mike and just give the man a round of applause. How many other fighters crossed over that late in their career, or even crossed over at all, and have been able to stay relevant and secure high-profile fights and paychecks for themselves, and they've not even been winning that much? I'm going to help you out here and say, well, no one. For a while there, Mike was Mr. Bellator. At 12-0, he was the lightweight champion, but then went on a three-fight losing streak. But he stayed on their main cards, kept winning, and two years later, he won his title back. Not many people could do that either, come to think of it, but even less people would then get a third chance to fight for a world title, but Mike did, and it's because even if he lost, he always came back stronger with conviction and a determination to, again, be the best in the world. I mean, Bellator gave him three title shots, of course, but how could you not? The guy was a knockout machine. He arrived in the UFC, got a title shot in his second fight, and unfortunately lost. He was pretty close to finishing Charles as well at one point, but you can't forget that after three years in the UFC, he's only two and three. He's lost more fights than he's won, but every loss came in a fight of the night, goddamn fight of the year, where he got nothing but love from the fans, respect from his fellow fighters, and showed that it really doesn't matter because he's always going to be super dangerous and could beat anyone on any given night. That's probably why he's still ranked inside the top five and is at least supposed to be fighting the biggest star in the sport. Number three, Yoel Romero. I honestly think it's quite funny looking at some of the losses Romero has had because you can't help but look at him and go, did he even really try though? I mean, it's not because sometimes he just stands there and does nothing or that he has this lackadaisical style or that no matter how hard he seems to get hit, he just sticks his tongue out. But it's also because he's an absolutely world-class phenomenal wrestler. He just, well, he just doesn't really use it. So you could say some of his losses, well, even if he wrestled just a little bit, they might not even be losses. But that's not the only reason he doesn't really lose in those fights. It's because a lot of them have been super close and because he has had such scary and highlight reel performances well he's just immediately given another opportunity after a loss anyway it also helps that he looks like the most dangerous man on the planet I mean, he lost in his first title fight against Rob Whittaker, but in his next fight, he got another shot immediately anyway against Luke Rockhold. He even missed weight for that fight, but he fought Rob again for the title, and at times he was beating up the champ, even dropped him. So when the scorecards were a close split decision, well, no one really believed he couldn't actually beat him. He didn't lose any favour with the fans or with the UFC, apparently, because he lost again after that to Paulo Costa and then got another title shot, this time on a two-fight losing streak. That just doesn't happen. Yoel also seems to be living in his own world. I mean, he clearly doesn't care about losing. The fight against Izzy was weird as shit and he definitely lost, but he was walking him down and screaming in his face by the end of it. Number two, Nate Diaz. Well, yeah, there aren't many more popular fighters that could lose as much as Nate Diaz and still remain so relevant, so popular, and still get the biggest fights in the sport. First off, Diaz has his own code about what constitutes as a loss. Unless he gets finished, then it simply just doesn't count. If Nate is still able to walk to the center of the ring at the end of a fight, then did he really lose? I mean, yeah, he did, but not to him. And because it's such a badass thing to say, most fans have basically chosen to believe that as well. 
Don't get it twisted. Throughout his early UFC career, Nate did lose, and those losses meant he got less pay and further away from the title picture because they didn't promote him and they didn't give him the massive pay-per-view spots he got at the end of his career. But it all started to turn around with the McGregor fight after taking a fight with a surging RDA where Nate did not look bothered at all, missed weight, and just didn't seem like he wanted to be there. He disappeared for a year and then went on his whole you're taking everything I've worked for campaign against McGregor. He finished him brutally. So when he lost in the rematch, well, did that affect him at all? Um, no. He'd already gotten all the rub from beating Connor, had proven he could do it, and on short notice, and now he was a massive star. He lost in the BMF title fight, but did he? I mean, again, he didn't get finished. The doctors stopped it and the fans still loved him anyway and then he went away for two years and came back and fought the number one contender even though he got beaten up the entire fight he still rocked him and won the moral victory in the closing seconds like 21 and 13 isn't the best record you've ever seen in mma but does that mean he wasn't one of the biggest draws and most marketable stars in the sport no not at all number one chael sonnen it's almost impossible to lose a fight if you maintain the idea that you, sir, are undefeated. And although to Chael, this is just a gimmick, to his fans worldwide, if you keep repeating it, then it might as well be true. When you're talking about Chael Sonnen, you're also talking about a guy who believes he never lost a round of fighting until he met John Jones. All of his losses came by submission at that point in fights that he was arguably winning, except that one time in Pancrase. But you do have to take a look at some of the opportunities he was given towards the end of his career, more than the bravado. And it was because of his popularity, his ability to sell a fight and his determination in just asking for things that losses never really ever meant much to Chelsea. You know, the first Anderson Silva loss, you could not have had a more dominant performance and then still lose. So if anything, it just proved he was as good as he says he was and it just made him even more popular. And then after getting the rematch and losing, he was, as many of you remember, immediately given a title shot up a weight class against John Jones. I'm just going to say not many people really ever get three title shots in the UFC. And if they do, it's because they had to work incredibly hard for it. But Chell was a gangster on the mic microphone so he got the fight he also got absolutely destroyed but that happens and it just didn't change his popularity at all most people knew it was going to be a squash match going in and likely a fight he couldn't win but the rest of his career reads like a ufc legends book he only fought former mma champions in fact the last 12 fights of chael's career they were all guys who had been world champion in a major promotion they were all big fights and did he win them all hell no he didn't but he also had some pretty bad performances as well but they didn't stop him from getting matched up with the next guy or stop him from promoting himself as the undefeated bad guy or in any way change his popularity among the fan base who maintain to this day that he has never lost all right i know one other person who's never lost max randall because every time he makes an edit it's a banging video okay and he bloody edited this one so i hope you enjoyed it give him some love on his socials if you did and as always i just want to say thank you to all the channel champions appreciate all the continued support guys thank you very much hope you're enjoying the bonus content and all that if you want to join them click the join button down below lots of cool stuff and you get to support the channel this was actually a lot of fun to come up with we sat around in our writers meeting as well sort of discussing those fighters who can never seem to be hated by the fans just because of what they do in the cage or the level of their performance performances but it was a fun one to come up with i hope you enjoyed it if you did uh, give us a thumbs up you know we work hard on these it's a good way to showing some appreciation easy peasy and uh, if you want to see more from us just hit subscribe we'll keep making them you can keep watching them really appreciate you clicking on this one i do hope you enjoyed it and um i'll see you guys in the next one